Okay. So should we be looking at the moon or looking at our fingers, Jeremy? I I don't know. Should we be throwing signs into dojos when they if they when they uh come and trash our own dojo? Should we be trying to take on ten guys at a time? Should we be ripping off our shirts whenever a fight comes? Yeah, exactly. All these questions and more we will be answering today on Karate Without Belts. Welcome, folks, to Cry Without Belts. I'm John, and joined by Jeremy. How you doing? Happy post Thanksgiving, everyone. Yep, Super Bowl of cooking. I tell you what, so. we we don't have turkeys in Japan. I had to settle for chicken and wine. Ah, too bad. Well, when, whenever you whenever you get back over here, I'll I'll have to do a turkey for you. So. Well, you see, it's possible to buy chicken in Japan, but if you're talking about like something as relatively small size you get for like twenty bucks in the states, you probably end up paying sixty around what's equivalent sixty dollars here. No, I got you. So, and you have to kind of rely on shipping. Yeah. As, so, you, you I don't know, know if you've ever had a shipped turkey come to your no. house. No, I mean the sad thing is there's turkey farms all around where we're at. So, I think I paid. Eight nine bucks for for um for 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 what a twelve pound turkey so jeez so yeah I'm spoiled. They only are native to North America, I believe. They're not anywhere anywhere else in the world. So um, I guess that's why we got the gooses. So Jeremy, what have you been working on other than fighting tur- turkeys and <sighs> marinating them for for several days on end? I've been doing a lot of uh, meditation lately, so. I'm really getting into that again. I did get back into uh, Nisei Shi and the Hanshikatas, which, I mean, it's that was good. And then, uh, what was the other thing I did? I was working on Cheesy Kumbo also this last week or so. So, so that, was, that was good. I mean, that was a good change of pace other than just the empty hand stuff. So The Cheesy Kumbo and I think Nunchaku are an odd pairing, I think, probably on the surface. But actually, are work well together as a pairing. That if you ended up doing, they're trying to use Jizukumbo in like a nunchaku esque way. You actually end up having really good stuff coming out of it, at least in my opinion. So, I've I've been working on uh, finally, but managed to figure out a way of getting a punching bag down here. So, the six month struggle I think is finally over. But also just working on. You know, footwork balancing whether between like balls and heels and whether or not there's i think a lot of people who do karate i understand the kind of drag that goes on when you're when you especially in the traditional forms you end up dragging your feet or possibly get told to drag your feet especially with the c stepping and stuff like that so i've been playing with you know how do you get around that by still having solid footwork so that might be something we work on some other point throughout the next year because we are coming to very close to the end of what's many say has been a terrible year. Six more weeks to go, so or five, <laughs> something like that. Let's hope. Um, t- 
timed is a weird thing. But timed is also another weird thing of reminding us of one of the martial arts legends. Uh, I speak specifically of Bruce Lee, who has uh, now celebrating an 80th, even though post-Thomas, birthday. And I think what we're going to work on today, we're talking about today, is Bruce Lee, his kind of contributions to martial arts, is odd relation to karate and one of the some of the unique things he's brought to martial arts in general so which how should we start this conversation jeremy i think just to kind of kick it off i think probably kind of just remembering kind of the first first remembrances of watching bruce lee in action or you know or movie or you know however you want to call it i mean um, you would have a longer memory of this than I do. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's kind of interesting because the first movie, The Big Boss, or, you know, Fist of Fury, I mean, it's basically the same, it's the same thing, just depends on where you're at. In the martial arts arena, I mean, I wasn't, I wasn't alive when that, it, when that really hit. I mean, it was just before I was coming around but i mean i i kind of attribute that kind of to more like a star wars because when star wars came out nobody had seen anything like it when bruce lee came out with you know fists of fury nobody had really seen anything with that high level of action that high level of intricacy and things like that and it, i think it really drew people to to basically question or really be attracted to the martial arts. Well, and so we're talking about Big Boss, which is, and I think, and Fist of Fury. But they also have possible, because of their translation, of like translation and just distribution markets, as you were saying, they kind of got labeled in different ways. Um, But like, because there's there's two movies. There's one where they, they kind of both function in the same way, but one is much more of the kind of like working man trying to get ahead which is not uncommon for these type of movies at this time um shaw brothers was doing a lot of similar things i think but i think in terms of bruce lee just that kind of raw talent that raw muscle that like that just raw acting ability is not to get, take anything away from the shaw brothers actors because they're really really good um Shaol- uh, 36 chambers of the shaolin i think actually demonstrates very well how martial arts training kind of should go yeah the i guess what when you first interacted with that was that uh on broadcast tv type deal or was that seeing that seeing that happen in the theater no it, it was it was replayed on tv first time i'd seen anything on of that i mean you know i mean it really it really developed a whole a whole new genre of movies to be perfectly honest i mean or or some type of theatrical performance such as like i mean in the 70s you know after bruce lee i don't know i i don't know if he was 100 percent contributed to this but i mean i remember when i was a kid you know you you get up on saturday or sunday or you know what whatever you know and usually early afternoons you know what you know, kind of nap time or whatever, but there'll always be like black belt theater 
on and i mean it would be some some different kind of karate kung fu some type of martial martial arts movie of some kind i mean i mean there were there were some good ones and there were some not so much but it it, it was uh it was entertaining, let's say. So, well, where have you? Did you ever watch the Green Hornet? Later on, I mean, I mean, that was back in the '60s. That was before I was born. I did have the TV series or part of it on VHS for a while. Sort of like I, solo episodes that they they managed to sell on DV, on VHS. Well, I th- I think it's more personal collection off of some rerun off like. TBS or something. Oh, or wow. something. Yeah. So I mean it, it was it was something that I'd recorded off TV that they were they were rerunning back in eighties, nineties, somewhere in there. So I do enjoy how, how uh Bruce Lee is possibly the only real martial artist who is not fictional other than him playing a fictional version of Kato to actually meet up with Batman and Robin. Yeah. Um, you you have the memory of seeing it, being able to see it on I net, but by the time like cable rolled around, all of that stuff had been moved from kind of like network television onto cable. Yeah. When I was growing up, we never had cable ever, ever. So I, everyone would say Bruce Lee when I was younger. And even when I had started martial arts, I had no idea who Bruce Lee was. I had never seen a Bruce Lee film until they were selling Big Boss and, Ch- and, the two these two movies, which I think they they end the end the of Chinese, Chinese Connection, uh, Fist, you know, of Fury. Fist of Fury, um, and of course uh, Enter the Dragon, which that was the one that really yes, that was the one that had that was so so I was watching a documentary on Netflix, and it's basically it was basically on like Hong Kong filmmaking and how this oddly enough had a weird connection to hip hop. And had like a connection to like how what was going down in the seventies in Brooklyn, mm-hmm. and how Hong Kong, even though they were like miles apart, different cultures, different settings, like completely different ethnic groups and all this stuff, had this weird but yet uh, same affinity for for one another. They were working class. They were on trying just trying to prove themselves. They were trying to create something that related to themselves. I think. Those two earlier movies he created, Big Boss and Fist of Fury, were trying to do that in in ways that kind of the other classical, uh, traditional styles of of Shaw Brothers type of movies really weren't, because a lot of those other movies were parroting Chinese fiction to in some way, shape, or form, or Chinese history that had no we had no access to. We had no idea what that was about. We just thought it was you know guys in weird uniforms and sometime a long time ago but when he was when he was making the fist of fury i mean there's a lot of historical uh sentiment there Mm -hmm. Uh, i think that goes gets into his somewhat of not he's has very ex overt criticism of karate and overt criticism like traditional styles but i think that goes also to his overt kind of despisal of japanese martial arts i guess not this despisal but he had a kind he that had to be played up in the film as that Japanese martial arts were not better than the stuff he was learning. Because you get two two very clear schools hating each other. Two it was clear it was clearly set at a time where one was taking over the other. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, after after reading, uh, I mean, his book, The Tao of Jeet Kune Do. I, I mean, I've I've read it. Kind of interesting. 
I mean, I, I enjoyed the book. I mean, it was really pretty good. Um, I think he got to the point after reading that book, it was like, we get into a lot of discussions about how he's the forefather of MMA and things like that. And in some ways, I definitely see that because I think he had the introspective or at least to really look at what worked for him, what worked and what didn't. Now, do I agree with everything? I I look at it as maybe I'm not seeing everything he did. And that's that's cool. Maybe I see things a little bit different. But I, I think, I, I really think that he was really on to something where it's like, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's being taught that you really either needs to be adjusted, explained a little bit differently, or scrapped altogether. I mean, in some ways, it, it does relate to karate in some ways, shapes and forms. And I, I don't disagree with that. But I think he was also looking at some of the Kung Fu styles. I think he was looking at, you know, some of the, you know, Korean martial arts. I mean, I think he was looking at everything. I don't think it was specific to one thing or the other. So I, I think, and I mean, you know, some of the things he would bring into what he was training on, such as, I mean, he'd even bring in boxing and weaponry and, you know, different things like that. And, I think that's where his true, I don't know, cult, I, I wouldn't say cult, but I mean, his following and people really, I don't know, getting behind what he had because he had a lot of enthusiasm behind it also. And I, and I don't disagree that he was wrong either. So that's from my perspective. So, Right. And I think the, the issue that he ran into was the stereotype of what a lot of this stuff on its surface will look like and that he was probably frustrated at hearing from different sources recently there was some uh like lost audio that came up in the south 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 chinese morning sun i think that's what the newspaper is called somebody's going to correct me but basically of him you know saying that tai chi to kind of try back to our last episode yeah. was more or less not a not a not a real good martial art and and but i think he wasn't trying to trash it but i think he was trying to to say look no one these guys don't understand how a real fight's gonna go on and i think that's that that isn't so much a bruce lee thing a lot of people are now attributing to him that's a bruce lee thing or that's a bruce lee way of thinking i think this is something he just saw as someone who wanted to learn self-defense, who wanted to actually be able to to use what he knew, because there's other people who around the same time and a little before and a little after were probably thinking and feeling the same thing. I, I think when it gets into you know how he gets portrayed as this revolutionary or something like that, I think he's just really the first first of many voices who got sick of being essentially told just do it and don't don't ask questions yeah and right. probably and it was probably a bad repercussion from a time where people were over solidifying things to d- disciplinary and shit i definitely don't disagree with that i and i think the other thing is or he was able to create a huge platform to stand on for himself and I mean, there was none before yeah i mean a lot of, I don't think that 
a lot of the things that he brought up, maybe some of them were original, some of them weren't. I think people had thought about this for years and years and years, but a lot of people didn't have a platform to get up and, you know, say, hey, this, that, or the other thing, whereas he did. That helped, I think, when we talk about the Filipino martial arts, Dan Inazano taught him Nunchaku, taught him the Eskrima stuff, and I've worked with some of the Eskrima stuff, which leads over into the Kobodo stuff we've done. Right. And a lot of people, what we've worked with, has always said very similar things, whereas you gotta, you gotta make it work, you need to make it work, you need to use it in a way that makes sense, right? Mm-hmm. Um, actually, it was recently in this episode that his daughter was recently on a episode of the mandalorian and kind of and somewhat answered a question that i think some of us have always had of whether or not a staff versus two sticks would win and who would win so i won't spoil it for anyone who hasn't seen that but yeah that was worth throwing out there she names herself she calls herself on screen i don't know if that's her birth name or not but she's like she's dan she's danielle lee inozato Hi folks, Future John here. I'm just correcting myself that this is Diana, not Danielle Lee Inazanto. I was incorrect in which daughter was on The Mandalorian, so I'm just correcting myself here. Enjoy the rest of the podcast. So, it's like that legacy still lives on, just as of today, right? So I think that that's that's kind of a cool thing. Especially when you think about how Star Wars initially just had two old guys hitting hitting each other with sticks they didn't know what they were doing to uh real martial arts being shown on screen but anyway i guess we can go back into the movies a little is you know you bring up game of death and i think that that is really kind of telling because you look at game of death and just look at he go walks onto the island and what's the thing that he sees like what what's everyone else have that he doesn't Oh jeez! My turning my head uh, is no one able to hear me. That that one's been so long since I've seen that one. It's uh, yeah, put me on the spot. I can't remember, dude. Well, he goes on the I, well, he goes on the island, right? Like he's he's there with 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 uh, like the two other guys for their their actual names. I want to call him Kareem Abdul Jabbar. I know that's well, not him. Well, I, that's not. I know that's not who that is. Um, no, the the one guy is Kareem Abdul Jabbar because that was a student of his. No, no, no. Not talking, not that, not that movie. Are you talking okay. about? Are you talking about Return of the or Enter the Dragon? Enter the Dragon. Sorry, that was wrong. Oh yeah. Um, okay. We'll just cut that out. That's fine. Uh, we have the ability, but that that was in Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Um, yeah, I mean the one guy was Jim Kelly. Yeah, Jim. See, there was Jim Kelly, and then John Saxon. Yeah. Who? I'm pretty sure wasn't a martial artist. I'm pretty sure he was just like an actor, dude. Uh, yeah, I think I think he was more actor than martial artist, at least. So, but but he but I just remember so in that movie, see, Game of Death is plagued with like editing problems and the fact that I think they didn't necessarily finish everything before he died. The the when he gets there with Enter the Dragon, Enter the Dragon, like he goes walks onto the island. What's the, what's everyone have? They all have these like weird yellowed karate geese right and they're all rubes they're all people who are just fallen for like they're all, all their 
in the worst horse dance you've ever seen going ah, 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 ah. and i think that's kind of a odd me- uh, a visual metaphor for how bruce lee saw a lot of martial arts schools well I mean, you can go out to youtube and see a lot of that too but you know that's beside the i mean but it's still this case today yeah. which, which 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 is the thing where it's like I think this is where you get in every generation someone who's going to stand out as a martial artist or a lot of people who are just rubes in, in, in lightly yellow geese following a guy with no with one hand, you know, surrounded by a bunch of, you know, women on his private island. I don't know where I'm going with this. Matter. But the 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 idea being that, like, all these guys are going to follow somebody who supposedly is teaching them the right way when in reality not the guy yeah i do yeah. like in the hell in that movie he's like why don't you just shoot him <laughs> guns aren't allowed in the island all right that's a great plot device no true but, i mean there were a lot of people in that that you know ended up you know ended up becoming pretty big stars like uh bolo young oh yeah who is also in some a movie we probably should cover at some point blood sport or the Kumi well, If you're going to cover that, you know how to cover double impact too. I mean, come on, let's do the let's do the all. We we are, we are going to do this. <laughs> I I still like double. It, it is a corny movie, but I I still it, it it's a fun movie. <laughs> anyway, well, well, and, and that's the thing where the, I think Bruce Lee brought. Good show. You can have really good acting. You can have fun in the movie. I think itself, uh, despite it, you know, this, you know, Enter the Dragon being the movie that you know offs the does the thing where it fridges the the only African American in the film. Kind of stupid reason. Uh, it's like kind of dumb how he died. He like was like th- thrown into like a vat of like boiling water or whatever. Or he's so, like, yeah, like st- dies in the dumbest way. Um, yeah. But it, it, the visual influence from this, I think, is very striking as well. Like how he showed people that martial artists are not people hiding, like their bodies are not hiding behind geese, that they need to be athletes. And I think that's, that is a lesson that is we are keep on drinking the like amnesia on mm-hmm. as a community where we're just, we're just not focusing on the athletics enough where he he almost all for a long time made that exclusively what he did. Yeah. I don't think I was looking for the aesthetic appeal. It was just for you're a martial artist. You need to be athletic. He has yeah. the entire book about it. True. Very true. I, and I think, I think the other thing was, is I think it really brought people's curiosity to everything to it. Wanting to actually, to actually, you know, actually do it as opposed to, you know, just hearing about some, some mystery art or this, that, and the other thing. And, right. And I, I think in that aspect, it's definitely been good for the martial arts. So, well, it demystified it, right? The, the, in one hand criticized it, but in the other hand promoted it. Right. If he, just wanted to completely criticize it and throw it away. I think this goes into the through line of uh, 
because I wouldn't necessarily say he is a precursor, but I think you know there's a there's a line of thought you can go from saying traditional martial arts, traditional martial arts sometimes useless. Use what's effective. Don't use what's not effective. What effect? Where is what effective? What is effective is what's in the ring. What is in the ring is what's going to work. Has to be full contact. Ergo MMA. You know, and then that brings up another point. What when you got the confrontation ahead of you or facing you? What are the rules of engagement? Right. I mean. You know, I mean, obviously, when you're in a boardroom, that's one set of rules. When you're in a ring, when you're, you know, point sparring, when you're, you know, in in the octagon, if you're on the street, all those have got different rules of engagement. And I think, I think that's one of the things. I, I don't know if he demystified, declassified. Or, as I like to say, I think he, he brought some real integrity around it. And he declassified martial arts? Was he working for the CIA? Yeah. Well, again, I don't know. <laughs> so, so, actually, Enter the Dragon was, in fact, just somewhat autobiographical? Yeah. I, I think back then, everybody was working for the CIA once, shape or form. I mean, I think... I mean, depending upon which movie you hear from, like, Steven Seagal, I think he did, too. But anyway, that's beside the point. Oh, the Steven Seagal. We're going to have to have a completely different podcast dedicated to Steven Seagal, but... I I get it, but... Just a subset series, Karate Without Bells, the Steven Seagal saga. But but I I do think he did bring... That was one, one of the things I think that he did bring to a lot more like I said reality integrity to the martial arts like look if you think you're you know you're training in this from somebody who doesn't know what they're I mean some people know what they're doing some people don't know what they're doing right and I think the I always forget who who it came out with a really bad movie of this a lot uh, a couple a couple years ago about it's really, really, really bad. I don't recommend anybody watch this movie. But the there's a that legendary fight he has with the Chinese Tai Chi and martial arts guy uh, Wong Jack Man. Oh yeah. And how there? I mean, he well, he died only two years ago, and that's like when that movie. That was around when that movie came out too. So I don't know who that's more disrespectful to. I'll say Tarantino's movie is more respectful personally than this one, but the, the, the idea that, you know, this was an actual event that where he fought Bruce Lee and Bruce and either one was mouthing off to the other, both parties make different accusations. Right. But the, the problem was that this guy thought that his, martial arts and the way he did them and the only rigid way he did them in was superior. Bruce Lee had clearly had it differently. And so they came to blows over it. Real thing that happened. Whether or not this was like a fictional event or like a realistic event where just two guys went went fought for a little fought for maybe two minutes and then walked away from each other. That's for anybody's account of it. Yeah, I I I know one thing. Um I wasn't there so I don't know. There you, yeah. I mean, 
But I mean, getting back to that, I, I mean, you had like your, you had like your Ed Parkers and things like that, which I, 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 I think he was very respectable, you know, in the martial arts as well. And I think that, I think Ed Parker definitely wanted to bring light to a lot of things. You know, I, I think he was at least open to knowing that he didn't know everything and he was at least open to seeing different stuff. And I think in a way that kind of also helped Bruce Lee as well. It gave him another platform as well. I think Ed Parker was one of, I don't know if he, he really started this before or after Bruce Lee kind of came on the scene because I mean, Ed Parker famously gave Elvis a black belt. I, I think it kind of came around roughly around the same, around the same time. If, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken, I mean, Everybody, you know, fact check us and tell us on Instagram. I I think it was you know mid 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 sixties mid sixties and seventies in that arena where you know Ed Ed Parker would have you know these big <laughs> these big events where was, you know he'd bring a lot of different people in, whether it be a tournament, whether it be a seminar, different things like that. How much have you worked with Ed Parker's guys? I had some interaction with them a little uh, bit, I've, very briefly. I've, I've had a handful. It's interesting. I mean, I, I wouldn't say bad. I mean, there there's some similarities to what to. I mean, some of philosophical similarities to what we do, but they go about it a little bit differently, and that's cool. I mean, that that's what I've run into. But, and I think the Ed Parker crowd is, I think, the first attempt to create, because Bruce Lee created Jeet Kune Do. There's the debate whether or not Jeet Kune Do is, needs to be a silo with itself or just a philosophy in which you work out of, right? Yeah. The Ed Parker's camp seems to be more in line with this is the style and it constantly gets added on to. Mm-hmm. And I think this is a this was a strong tra- trend through the '80s up into the '90s, which I think was the dress rehearsal for what became, as well as kind of the two through lines that became almost one, where they seem the mo- most trying to be in line with what MMA is doing, right? Mm-hmm. To a degree, they're trying to stay. They're trying to keep one foot in the traditional and one foot in the modern, right? Supposedly. Maybe podcasting is what we call postmodern karate, where we just don't know why we're doing karate and just constantly question the concept. But you know, getting back to Bruce Lee, I think the the idea, I think the biggest contribution he ever had was showing people that you could take what you've got, break it, and put it back together again in a modern context, in a modern setting. And I think that the this is probably something that was done for years and years and years that we have little to know that we have only pieces and scraps of evidence of. But I think he showed a, a decent framework on how you actually go about it yourself. The, the the biggest issue with that is you're leaving it to other people. You're leaving it to them to figure out. I think that was his greatest contribution. 
And I think he showed the, the most difficult part of it all. And I think what his contributions were, both on film and in martial arts, left a, a fairly decent legacy. And one that it showed a lot of integrity and a lot of we have nothing but respect for. I think his issue with karate was more from uh, the superficial level in which it was being taught or was which it was being presented. And the under the weird rules that the tournaments had at the time. Well, I, I think that was part of it. I think the other part that he had a real big issue with was I think he had a bigger issue with people not willing to change. Right. I mean, just, just from just from things that I've read and different interviews that I've seen, I think that's where he had more of a problem with. I think if I think if you had somebody that was willing to change, willing to look at things from a different perspective, he was all cool about that. I, I mean, I mean, I'm not trying to speak. Obviously, I'm not trying to speak for that man. I mean, but I mean, just from just from interviews and like I said, the stuff that I've seen, it just seems like. Yeah, don't don't be so stuck in your ways. You you got to be able to change. You know, kind of the old heartbreak ridge. You know, Marine saying is you know improvise, overcome, and adapt. You know. Well, and I think that the big thing with that was that it was his somewhat hatred of or supposed hatred of forms. Mm-hmm. Right? Supposedly, the guy hated hated kata. He hated forms, and I think. Because it was taught that this is how you fight in a fight. Mm-hmm. And from a perspective of just wanting to get in there and do it and and just just do the techniques or, or, or make it everything the most efficient it could possibly be, he wasn't wrong. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, if you did, if that was your only understanding of, of form. Um, and that's the only thing you're ever taught. That's the only thing you ever know. Yeah, I think there's been there's been a lot there's been a large attempt in recent years to make his teacher Ipman uh, look more impressive than he actually was, but that's just my opinion. Yeah, I mean, that, that not part, to, not to disrespect him, but oh no, no, yeah, I think just all those movies, Donnie Yen, great martial artist, but I mean, fun movies, but I, I they all end the same way. Bruce Lee came and he told him to go away. It's interesting. One one of the senior students that we trained with for years and years and years. Yeah, I mean, I I got to sit down with him one time, and he was telling me some some of his backstory and stuff. And, and when he started training, you know, they asked him, he "Was like, you know, what what is it that you want to get out of this?" Because I want to be a great fighter. I was like, "Well, you don't need this." Go to the bars on Friday night and get into fights, and you'll learn to know what works and what doesn't. Yeah, and you know, there's a lot of truth to that. I mean, yeah, if you want a shortcut, if you want a shortcut, and that's your only, I think it's also very much of a young man's view of it. Mm-hmm. Because you know, I want to be a good fighter. All right, start start messing with people and learn how to run from the cops. Well, yeah, I mean, today, I mean. I mean, back then. Back then, it would be. I mean, depending I mean, on where you live. Seventies, you know, back in the sixties and seventies, you know. Not like today. Not like today. I mean, today. I mean, 
it's almost if you breathe on somebody, you get actually charged with assault, you know? So it's... Well, I think it's it, how enforced it is. And there's also... Uh, we can get into yeah. changing views of masculinity another time. But the the consensus I think he had with Kata wasn't wrong for what he was taught. It wasn't wrong for what people were showing. Because mm-hmm. if this is all you see people doing, and this is all you see what's going on uh his criticism of it's not is not incorrect hmm. so the people who and it, it, and you we see see this weird double down nature with people and and, and karate kata and, and, and kung fu kata or whatever is where they have to double down of either saying this is what's going to work and you just need to trust it or i need to look at it better and explain it better mm-hmm and I think a lot of people chose the former than the latter, but I think the people who chose the latter are the actually actually the ones who are standing. Yeah. So. At least with, at least with dignity, at least. So. Yeah, and I, I think that goes into your point on integrity, where you, if someone is is able to accurately criticize what you're doing, then you need then. You, it is on the onus is on you to respond to that appropriately. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't mean getting in a fight necessarily, but being able to ex- at least explain what you're doing. Absolutely. But I don't, I don't think that, especially then, I don't think people were able to do that as well. Uh, I think they, there was a lot of. You have to understand when someone's actually trying to explain it or actually trying to change what they're doing to make it work better, as opposed to just explain away. Well, I mean, the other thing I thought about not too long ago, and it goes, I never thought I'd bring this up in a martial arts form or one of our podcasts, was the great, the great salesman Zig Ziglar. And I don't know if you have you ever heard this story. About, we've about actually the think you've actually brought this up on the podcast. About the ham? About the ham? Yes. Yeah. Where I mean, he brings home this prize winning ham and, and his wife goes and cuts it off, you know, cuts it in half and goes, What are you doing? Because well, my mother always used to do that. And so she calls her up and goes, Well, my mother always used to do it, you know. And I'm thinking, you know, by this time, I mean we're we're getting kind of old here, you know, with moms and moms and moms. And finally, it's like, they get to the point, it's like, well, I don't know why you guys are, but I couldn't fit in the pan. You know, I mean, it's... Yeah. And, and, and I I go back to that, and I think, you know, how many people were actually shown what this stuff was really used for? And, and I don't think a lot of... You know, maybe some of these people... Maybe their instructor thought that these people were maybe not trustworthy or not, or maybe they got burned by showing this and they wouldn't show it anymore. Something like that. And therefore, this it's is easy, just an exercise. Easy, easier to show the forum than it is to actually show the what it, what it means. It's exactly. too dangerous to show it to idiots. So you can at least show the forum or whatever whatever they were thinking. But... I also think it has to do with right, like talked about Boku Kumite before, but I think there's an interesting contrast here where he, he Bruce Lee had criticized lack of 
lack of realistic sparring, lack of realistic training, and yet Nokinawa around around the time he was becoming famous, they were doing full contact sparring. They were doing full contact work. Like Okinawa and karate was doing this while at the same same breath doing art like kata and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting to see, you know, okay, then like who was he really interacting with? What were the who were the karate guys who were actually popular? And then you know, what, maybe there were people who actually, he, if he had just met at one point, might have changed, changed his mind on what was going on there. Sure, but no one's gonna. I mean, especially if we talk about that time, you know, how well. I don't know. I don't want to say science of that science in the sixties and seventies wasn't as good as today, but how well to keep oneself, you know, back in the day, people will drink a milk and a steak at night and, you know, they do 20 push-ups and then, you know, be a strong man. It works. <laughs> no, it didn't clearly because you have, <laughs> you have Bruce Lee coming coming along six back abs and all that. And, you know, John Saxon, you know, probably on his third whiskey. <laughs> That that part I don't know. I mean, but, uh, I mean, I mean, he he definitely played a decent uh, backup character. So that's know. as much as we can say for his character in Under the Dragon, because I have yeah. no. Because what else was he doing? He was just like, "Oh, go help!" and runs away. Yeah. While Bruce Lee fights Claw or, or um Con or whatever. Um, yeah. I just wish it was the the Star Trek Con, the Bruce Lee versus that Con. Imagine that. Yeah, exactly. So. This has been an odd episode of kind of digging around of our Bruce Lee memories. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, it, it's interesting. I mean, yeah, this episode's definitely been, you know, we'll hit on a hit on a topic, and then we'll go somewhere else. You know, and this is definitely going all over the place on this, but but I mean, the bottom line is. There's a lot of great contributions that he did make make to the art. I mean, now I don't know if I really want to get into this, but you know, a lot of people talk about you know goat and greatest of all time and this that and the other thing. You know, some odds and ends Hall of Fame, right? Yeah, I mean, martial arts has been around for 400 plus years, 500 plus years. I mean, the first caveman around. was swinging a stick and trying to defend himself. There's there's a lot of history with greatest of all time, and I and people ask have asked me in the past, and I, I I tend to kind of ignore that kind of deal where it's like you know these people made some great contributions. What you take of it is, is your business, so. That's kind of how I. That's kind of how I approach it. So, indeed, indeed. I think if there's anything people can take, like karate people can take from his his teaching, is just you know look at examine what you're doing and make sure it works. And I think that's the biggest that's the biggest problem that a lot of karate people, even to this day, don't do. And yeah. they they get stuck in this mindset of well, we need to make it work in some way, and they'll only say it they won't actually do it. So. Well, that guy, that guy did it. Well, and let's let's turn this into another little piece of this. Like this is how I've been shown. This is how this works, and therefore my instructor showed it to me this way. So therefore, this is how it works. And I think people get really dangerously complacent when they get into that into that mindset. And I, I 
just thinking about it, that's probably the stuff that I, I'm assuming that probably Bruce Lee was really irritated with. Isn't that great that it, that not not but like probably 50, 60 years ago, uh, they were dealing with the exact same same issues we were dealing with, and they still live with us today. Mm-hmm. They'll never go away. I think, I, but I think it, it's he's somebody we can point to and say he dealt with those issues and he overcame them and he became as strong and as, as in shape and as skilled as he was, right? Mm-hmm. With you know integrating pretty much everything he ever learned, including cha cha dancing. Mm-hmm. So and he overcame a lot of adversity, especially when it came when it came to not only you know the martial arts world, but the fact that you know the Hollywood industry never saw him as any sort of leading man material because of based on his, as his ethnicity. And so, and if it wasn't for him, we probably wouldn't have had things like karate kid. We probably wouldn't have had things like any of the martial arts movies, any of the things that we have today, well, um, mean, any of the things that precipitated in the eighties and nineties and to, to, I mean, to today. I mean, not, yeah. I mean, you wouldn't have, you, probably wouldn't have taekwondo karate kung fu keto even your mma brazilian jiu-jitsu schools you would not have that almost the entire industry not in the same way no no it would be much smaller so i think i think we owe him even as traditional karate people supposedly i kind of want to inaugurate a term of like of just saying like the belt we're the beltless or something like that. We don't because we we don't really have much of a term for ourselves. So we're not real. I don't know if we'd say we're traditional martial artists anymore. But then again, did we ever sit and call that and call ourselves that? Something we'll have to think on for another time. But. Definitely. Anyway, cool. so Jeremy, what are you working on this week? Well, I'm I'm gonna get back into more than the hanchikatas and probably. Tomorrow stays on. Start working, really breaking those katas down again. So, and see what else I can get. And then the other thing we were talking, you know, offline a couple of weeks ago um, about about the Joe box and stuff. I'm gonna break that back out and start working with that much more heavily as well. So, yeah, and I think at some point we're gonna probably put together something regarding both of those things maybe in, in concert or maybe, maybe separately but mm-hmm. you know those are i think you know talking kind of tagging back into the main topic for a second on that you know not you know breaking down nahachi and breaking down joe box and using these things as tools yeah as you know you've always shown me and has we've always been shown to a degree is how we even work on a kata. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, what does that mean? Does that just mean practicing it? Does that just mean doing the form over and over again? No. And, you know, so I think in the future, coming into 2021, God willing, something maybe we're going to start working on, start showing. Yeah, absolutely. Cool. Well, Jeremy, thank you for com- coming on today. I know, Jer- if you haven't noticed, Jeremy's kind of fighting a cold, so he's, He's kicking back a lot of the lodgings as we're doing this, so. Yeah, and drink a lot of water, so. Yeah, 
So thanks for being for as always for being on with me, sir. And uh yeah, everybody have a wonderful rest of your holiday season, whenever this is gonna come out. God knows when this is gonna come out, but and don't forget to keep draining. <laughs>